0: Welcome everyone to the AI and Business podcast. I'm Matthew Demello, senior editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Adam Burns, Vice President of Network and Edge and Director of Edge AI Development Tools at Intel. Adam returns to the podcast this week to talk about out-of-the-box solutions for computer vision in manufacturing, retail, healthcare and beyond. Throughout the episode, Adam discusses relevant use cases related to Intel's Getty platform, what industry leaders should know before deploying out-of-the-box AI products, and essential lessons in model development he's learned from developing these tools. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Adam, thank you so much for being back on the program. Thank you for having me. So as we're looking more closely at Intel's Getty platform, very interesting stuff here, but I think the headline for our audience is that we're now seeing that it doesn't take years to develop models for computer, computer vision, but days. Tell us a bit about how we got here. Cause I know this is a relatively recent headline for those sectors that aren't as involved in computer vision. What within the course of model development happened, you know, in the last half decade to the point where processes that used to take years now take days.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question and there's a couple there's a couple different points that have evolved. You know, first and foremost, when we when we started with it AI, we were really trying to produce high-quality models and especially in the computer vision space, you know, it was it was to classify so many images in an ImageNet database. And when we started to really evolve and apply uh, these models to enterprise uses a couple things happened one is we wanted to tailor them more to the use case and two is we wanted to make them more efficient so they could run in more places oftentimes in factories or in retail stores or in healthcare services you know you have sort of constrained environments that you want to deploy and so getty was a combination of sort of these models being mature enough that we could kind of start to customize and fine tune them for the use case with the performance of platforms increasing to the point where that fine-tuning could be done with tens or hundreds of images to get to kind of a first-phase model. And it could be done when, when, one of the things I love about using Getty is it's so interactive. When I'm, when I'm using it, I can annotate five, 10 images, and I can start to build a high-quality model and see the results of that in, you know, minutes, certainly sub-hours. And so that sort of interactivity And the ability to iterate and refine is really both really rewarding, and it really gives a lot of power to the person that really knows that subject matter. So whether that's the person operating equipment in a factory, a healthcare practitioner, or somebody who's responsible for deploying technology into retail stores, it gives them a ton of power because they're the ones who know the most about their application.
0: Absolutely. And I know something we were talking about last Episode was the fact that a big reason that you're seeing a you know minor explosion, maybe maybe that's an exaggeration on my part of computer vision in headlines in these spaces in different sectors is that it becomes so much more valuable now that data can be in real time and you know being the tasks for which you're collecting you know computer vision data are just so much valuable when you're getting them you know as as soon as it happens. But even in terms of you know the UX for the tool that you have. I'm intrigued by the task chaining feature, and I'm wondering if you can tell me about a bit and why this helps in particular in complex computer vision tasks. I see uh, there's an immediate application in retail and manufacturing, just in terms of being able to extract insights from physical spaces, a checkout lane, a factory floor. Can you tell me a bit more about the healthcare uses for these tools?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple pieces in there. I'll talk about healthcare specifically, and then I'll talk about why task chaining helps and why it matters. So, you know, in healthcare, a lot of times what we're seeing with AI is we really want it to be an assistive technology, and we want it to augment the expert in that field. So we've been working with... uh, Royal Brompton Hospital for a number of years. And you know, the challenge they're using Getty for is to help them in more efficiently diagnosing pediatric lung disease and VIC PCT. And so what their task is is to go look at, you know, thousands of slices of, of these cilia and really look at are the proteins within those structures formed? And in some cases, that, you know, leads to a positive diagnosis and it helps families get the care they need. Um, and in some cases, it tells them they have to go get more data and inspect. But the primary thing they're trying to do is get to an answer faster. And when they have to look through thousands of these things, that is a large burden on the experts or the few experts who can do this sort of work. And so they're using Getty in this, or Intel Getty in this case to, to really try and filter out of these thousands of slices what are the ones that I really need to expect that are inspected are the most likely to give me a more definitive diagnosis? And so in that way it just speeds up their process many, many times. Additionally, in the healthcare space, we we just recently did a case study working with Siemens, and they're doing sort of tumor shaping and contouring to make sure in radiology and in cancer treatment, you can get more accurate, sort of more accurate treatment of where it needs to happen. And so by in those radiation therapy treatments, by increasing that, you know, that performance by 35 times, it allows them to hone in what they, on what they need to do, provide more accurate treatment, And get the patients through faster and sort of improve that patient outcome. And so that's a big, you know, that's a big part of what we're always trying to do is sort of make the expert more efficient and in the spaces we can in healthcare and retail, improve the patient or the customer experience as well. So I think you had asked about task genning, and I think what we see with certain types of AI is you want to you want sort of form a multi-step process. And the easiest example of this I can give is, you know, in, let's say, in manufacturing safety, you want to, you first want to detect if anything's in the frame, then you want to detect, so is a person walking into an area that could be restricted in a certain condition, right? Is there, is there equipment operating in that area? So you want to detect, is, is there a person walking into that frame? Secondly, I want to detect, is there any sort of equipment operating in that that might be dangerous to the person? And then I sort of want to join those two together. And so task chaining helps me kind of segment the type of AI I'm using. And a lot of times you'll do detection and classification. Is something in the frame? If so, what is it? Uh, So I'm not wasting the resources to to classify something if there's nothing there. And we see these sort of chains come up all the time where you sort of get a sequence of two or three types of models to perform different AI
0: functions. Yeah, I, I'll even say, even from like the last year or so I've had in podcast interviews with healthcare leaders, uh, I used to tiptoe around calling it patient experience because I, I just didn't think they wanted to be that closely associated with their friends in banking because customers are not patients and patients are not customers just from an ethical standpoint, etc. But they're already there. They're already say, they're already calling it patient journeys, patient uh, experiences. And, and we're seeing where this technology is supporting those. Workflows. Something I want to broach is at least in how we've talked about AI adoption on the show, we talk about it mostly as a painstaking process or at least something where even if you can do it overnight, you should think twice. You should put a lot of thought into these processes. Yeah, I don't want to take away from the capabilities of your product. You know, being able to launch a model in days just as a matter of technology is, is a very impressive feat. But just in terms of building models in days, uh, that seems about out of the box you can get. And I'm wondering if you can tell me a bit about the adoption process for these tools and what's involved, especially for a business trying to extract deeper insights from their hardware.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question because you have to be ready both to build the model and then deploy it in a way that's going to take advantage of those capabilities. And so one of the things that we were trying to get uh, address in building Intel Getty was in most ai applications there's a general model that's pretty good at you know identifying or classifying objects or identifying defects or those type of things but to make it deployable you want to get to high levels of accuracy and to do that you sort of have to do this kind of last mile customization and the goal with in in the, the reason that's so important is because when we when we look at the research and we work with customers you know most of their development around ai isn't making it to the factory for or the retail store it's dropping out in in development because it doesn't get accurate enough. Because that cycle of development is too long, and, and those iterations take too long with kind of traditional methods. And so we really wanted to use Getty to sort of address this. How do I get models more accurate? How do I bring the expert into the loop—the person who knows the retail store or the you know the device you're uh, uh, analyzing in a factory floor. And then how do I do that in a way where it's interactive and they can, you know, they can do that fast enough to get out the door quickly and increase the likelihood. So first thing we have to do is bring those experts together, give them a, a set of tools that are really easy to use that they can collaborate around and Intel Getty accomplishes that. Second thing we have to do is make it fast so I can iterate and get get those new models and those experiments out quickly, prove that they're working. And then the third is really the whole kind of data pipeline and making sure you know, the data I use to develop that model, am I able to, to get access to that on a regular basis to check? Am I able to deploy in the case of computer vision you know, cameras in a store, or in retail, I mean, in the pre-floor to continuously get access to that data? And then you know, lastly, can I hook it up to systems? So I can get alerts or information and be able to act upon that data in an appropriate way, either in a completely automated way or by, you know, by a, a user to the information that I need to respond to.
0: Absolutely. I want to hone in on something in your last answer that I think runs contrary to how a lot of human beings interact with with these technologies. You know, almost seven times out of 10 when we're describing, you know, an AI product on the show. I think the End visualization for a lot of people tuning in is, you know, at best there's a co-pilot and an employee working in a very solitary fashion with that co-pilot, and that co-pilot is is advising them, or that assist that AI assistant is advising them. You can see where this rolls over into customer experience and customer journeys as we've been talking about on these last two episodes. But you were talking about the Getty platform, you know, having a specific functionality to foster greater collaboration collaboration especially between subject matter experts tell me a bit about what that looks like and how that turns out a better product or what you know data and metrics go into supporting you know greater cross collaboration between experts in a team to bring about greater results
1: yeah it's it's a really good question so first of all you start with you know, kind of a project-based approach that, that multiple people can collaborate on. And if I take the example of a factory, and I'll, I'll loosely use something that we had done at Intel uh, as an example when we applied Getty internally, you know, there was an example where we were looking at bringing up a new manufacturing process and we were looking at the packaging, you know, for, for a silicon product. And there was a very specific type of defect that could be detected under certain types of imaging And, you know, there were a few people that were material scientists that knew how to detect those defects. And so with Getty, they were able to go in and annotate and look at at those uh, images in a way that the data data scientist isn't a material scientist. Their their expertise is in the creation of the model. Is this robust? Do I have enough data? You know, am I overfitting to where I'm going to only catch this case, but not sort of generalized cases? All those things that a data scientist does. And so we, we put the power of sort of annotation and understanding what's happening in the, in the experts' hands, in the material science hands. And then Getty has a number of tools around analyzing the data set, looking at various statistics around the model, trying to predict the health of the model based, based on how many images you're annotating and how diverse they are. And that's really where the data scientists come in to say, hey, given I, what I, everything I know about you know, these types of models and what I'm deploying, is this robust enough to actually use? We know it's satisfying the needs of the subject matter expert and that they're seeing the defects they want to identify come up with high probability. Now I really need to use the data science expertise to really understand the details around the model, its health, and is it ready to be deployed? And, and that's where the tools sort of expose you know, the information needed to the different types of developers and users.
0: Absolutely. And I'm seeing parallels in terms of the conversations that I have with folks about large language models or generative AI models in that, you know, all the headlines are saying, oh, this is going to wipe out humans from the process. This is going to make things completely not just automated, but autonomized and uh, decisions will be made entirely without humans. But you peel beneath the surface and especially generative AI It means that humans will always be involved and probably more involved than ever, if not in direct connection to the workflow as they have it now where their hands are involved, but they're going to be, you know, involved in ensuring that the model has integrity going into the future because the job of developing these models, you know, despite them being functional out of the box is never complete. I just want to get a perspective on how you're seeing this dynamic play out in terms of computer vision models and where that fits in to Getty's capacity to foster collaboration.
1: Yeah, to me, it's really about scale, right? And if you look at kind of the advent of any technology, it's where are you developing in kind of the, you know, the technology stack or the workflow. So at the advent of the web, you know, you had a lot of people writing HTML code and web developers were some combination of, you know, sort of design work and really understanding how to construct a website using code. And then as that became standardized, then you moved up into more kind of focusing on the interaction models and the user experience. And then you started to add, you know, web-based services behind this where you could share information or, or leverage information. And so, you know, this is sort of the same process that's going on. We're doing what we can to automate, you know, use known good kind of off-the-shelf models automate the process of customizing those models for an application. So now you bring these subject matter experts. So that, you know, that subject matter expert is sort of the web designer in this case. It's the person who knows what I'm looking for, what I want that experience to be, those type of things. And then you still have, you know, you still have experts that know how to build all the infrastructure and hook things together and ensure it's operating correctly and that the uptime is 99.9% or more. And I think that's sort of the same analogy applied to this. And really what that does is it, it sort of brings specialization and scale, because if everybody has to know the low-level code to be able to, to develop an AI, it's not going to scale very much. But the more we can sort of raise the, raise the water level to where you don't have to know all those details, but you can really focus in on your area of specialty and expertise, you can produce more models, you can get past those statistics that say most models don't make it into production, and you can really start getting the benefits of AI much faster in the enterprise.
0: Absolutely. And even where I was saying in, in our first episode that, you know, retail and healthcare might be a little bit more heavy in terms of having humans in the loop, that might not even be entirely true just for what you were saying about, you know, the need for humans to develop these models in unique situations of which... We see that extremely prevalent through manufacturing that, you know, the relative explosion that we've seen in computer vision within the last few years has been tailored around these very, very unique use cases. Way to bring it back to the themes, Adam. I really appreciate it. We've got we've got a definitely a a two parter episode here, which we really, of course, always appreciate. Thanks so much for being with us these past two episodes, Adam. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it as well.
0: To hear more from Adam, don't forget to check out our September 16th, 2023 episode with Adam in the Beyond GPU series. That episode is titled AI Hardware for Computer Vision, in which Adam breaks down the challenges across sectors in leveraging computer vision and the infrastructure necessary to take advantage of emerging use cases in edge computing. On behalf of our CEO and head of research, Daniel Fajella, as well as the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today and we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast.